This is the Unstoppable Podcast, episode number two. I'm your host, Nathan Brandt. I am joined tonight by my co-host, Austin Gamore. Austin, give your introduction. Hey there, guys. Sorry about missing the first episode, but uh, when we first did the recordings, I was out sick. But it's good to be here. Tonight, we're going to talk about some some big things that feel like everybody should learn to appreciate and learn from. And rolling in, we've got different kinds of leadership, good and bad. And from both, you got good lessons, you got bad lessons. Learn to take away the best from it. So you want you want to start you want to start us off with giving us giving us a good example from say like your professional life um, your career so far in my career i've worked for a lot of different people a lot of different bosses and whatnot good leaders are the leaders that are down there doing it doing the work with you but they can't do it all the time at points they do need to delegate and say hey i need you to do this for me when you when they say that they give you an opportunity to prove yourself in a way and it's also it's also a small task that needs to be taken care of, and they've got other things that do preoccupy them. A bad leader is someone that sits back out on their haunches and points and walks around and doesn't accomplish anything. Good lessons out of that. It teaches you what kind of leader to be, what kind of leader not to be. Austin, I couldn't agree more. Um, I th- I think I can speak, especially from uh, from my fire sh- from my career in the fire service. I've worked for some fire officers and some fire chiefs as I talked about in the last episode that are fantastic and I've worked for some guys that you know you see them pull up and you're just like man it's gonna be a rough night but um Mm -hmm. I think whether it's you know whether it's the fire service whether it's you know whether you're working like say like you know you and me we both work in customer service I mean so basically we do you know Obviously, you know, we have different bosses and stuff like that, but, you know, different bosses, but, you know, similar, similar issues. And I think you find that along the spectrum of most jobs, you know, sometimes you get a boss where, you know, they either, they go down the road and they, they start out with good intentions and then that just falls apart on them because they either get overwhelmed by what's going on around them. I had one boss recently. He came from a background of smaller volume of mm-hmm. what my my store, if you would, store I work at, mm-hmm. the way we operate. He came from smaller volume to something that was almost double in size. He wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. It, sw- it swallowed, him, swallowed him up easily to say. And... Like, he was a nice guy. He had great intentions for us. He wanted us to work hard. He was down there working with us. But towards the end, he turned into a pointer, mm-hmm. not a guy that was helping us out the best he could. Mm-hmm. So, but you do get some bad leaders that do come from circumstantial stuff like that. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I've, I've worked for people where, um, you know, I worked for a boss actually at one point in time where basically he started out with fantastic intentions you know he trusted every single one of us said you know hey guys you know you know 
if you guys have any input, then basically let me know. If you you know, because you guys have worked here longer than I have, and he was brand new and stuff like that. But over time, as you know, unforeseen circumstances mm-hmm. popped up, certain people let certain people left and stuff like that. Gotcha. You would just see him, you know, he would just go in the back and he would just sit there. He would say, "Oh, well, I got to go do the scheduling," but you know, in reality, he wouldn't. You know, he he wouldn't he wouldn't interact with us. He wouldn't talk to us. He wouldn't. Communication was awful. I always say, especially with my fire service background, communication is key, whether it's up or down the chain of command. And I mean, if you don't sure. have it, then I Definitely. mean, you just, it, you know, your organization just gonna fall apart. And it really suffered for that. I mean, we lost about, I'd say about ten people within the couple of months that. It, then I started working there. Or actually, um, from actually from the time that I started working there, and keep in mind I'd worked there for about a year, we lost about ten people from my previous boss, and then quite a few other people, you know, after you know after he came in, because people just didn't they just didn't want to do the hours, you know, scheduling was was a mess, and it just. There are things like scheduling that can't come into effect from some people's point of view of a leader, but mm-hmm. scheduling is what it is. Like yeah, where correct. I work, the department I work in, we have one of the biggest departments in the store. We've got half the items under our wings, and we have the least number of people on a day-to-day basis. Like today, before I left work, it was me, my supervisor, and then last half hour of my shift they called in another guy to come close the department because we didn't have a closure scheduled like that's something that we can't control because based off of things that happen at work they give you certain parameters that you can operate under but we do need to make the best out of those i couldn't agree more austin and i think a lot of the times you get certain people that are either Either they're brand new and they don't understand. And I mean, keep in mind. I mean, and and, I, and I'm just and I'm just speaking for for myself. I am by no means an expert in leadership or any of that kind of stuff. I, I just I go off of my own personal experiences, the stuff that I've read. You know, other people that I've learned mm-hmm. from and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the time you get people where they they start out. You know, they start out brand new and they don't really know. Or they've been there for a while and they kind of think, oh, well, you know, these, these guys don't, you know, these guys haven't been here as long as I have. When in reality, you know, sometimes, you know, newer people in an organization can really teach you a lot. Oh. I mean, especially in the fire service and stuff like that. I've, you know, I've had guys that are that are newer than me that have taught me a lot of stuff that, I mean, I would never thought of. Definitely. And, you know, they have a lot less years than me. And I mean... I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I always say, I will learn from absolutely anybody if they have something to teach and it's validated and it makes sense. You know, and I, and I think that's I think it's a lost art in, I think, a lot of organizations when it comes to leadership. For, cer- for certain. And with that, you got to look back at the quote, I believe it's from Gandhi. Learn like you're going to live forever and live like you're going to die tomorrow. 
So what he's saying there, it's kind of paraphrased, I know. What he's saying there is, if you're going to live forever, you got all the time on your hands. Learn everything you can. Learn how to constantly improve. Because if you think you've hit your peak, well, where do you go from there? You fall down. Are you are you willing to fall back to a point of lower standard to rise back up? Or you want to obliterate that line and keep on going? But don't let yourself be absorbed by just going that extra mile. you got to learn to live on the offside and separating life and work. It's... Uh, not the easiest thing to do, but it is doable. Exactly. And I think a lot of the time you get people that get into these positions, whether it's they've been pushing forward their entire career, whether it's a management position at a store, or whether it's a fire officer's position in a volunteer department or a paid department, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a corporate position, you know, like a CEO or, a, or an executive branch mm-hmm. or whatever. And you get people that get into these positions and they just think, oh, well, I pl- I made I, I've made it. I don't what need do to do, do anymore. You know, no, I, that's not the case, man. Yeah, that's I mean. not the case. Yeah, Let's I just. Let me tell you. Because situations similar to that, like I have seen people go above and beyond to get accepted to like their dream colleges and whatnot. They get accepted, but then it's like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? They don't know because they've spent the last 12 years while they were in school trying to figure out how to get to that school. Well, what do you want to do? What are you taking there? You can't take gen eds everywhere until you figure your life out. And I know, I mean, I definitely don't have it quite the extensive career that you do with the volunteer services and whatnot, but in my time as an EMT, I've, I seen some stuff that was just not, that rubbed me the wrong way because I felt like it was lack of leadership, lack of responsibility, and there weren't, they brought, people didn't bring anything to the table for certain, lack thereof, and part of, one thing I also did was I used to be a lacrosse coach for a while, I I would definitely say I was not the best coach because when you are a coach, you got to learn how to teach the lessons and be a leader, but you got to learn how to do it for and cater it to each individual person. So therefore, I believe it helped me grow in a way because I learned you got some kids that don't respond to the aggressive, hey, we're going to keep running until you guys get this right method. Then we got some kids that do get it. You got those kids that fall in line in the beginning they've got talent they've got skill and they develop well the ones that need a little bit more nurturing a little bit more care so you have to take a different approach with them they've got talent they've got skill and they will develop but you gotta have a little bit more de- I wouldn't say uh, decorum or a little bit uh, softer touch if you would in the sense that you can't just yell at everybody. You can't point your finger and say, go do this. You got to show and get down on the level of what's there. You know, speaking of that, I once listened to a podcast. And again, um, I mean, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and stuff like that. Um, it was, it's known as uh, Refined by Fire. It's um, it's actually out of a uh, training group out of Oregon um, called Brothers in Battle. 
um, they go around and they teach fire classes all over the U.S., but that's yeah. beside the point. Um, the guy that was actually on the podcast, his name was Andrew Brassard. He was a um, very good instructor. He teaches all over the U.S. And his quote was, because, I mean, like you said, he te- he he helped teach lacrosse too. And his quote was that actually his lacro- his lacrosse coach taught him was basically, hey, man, you see that kid down there at the end of the bench? Well, if I go well, if I go down there and I yell at him, then I will never get him back. I will never get the best out of him. Now you, I got to yell at you. I got to get in your face. And I think you got to, like, you got to cater your leadership to different mm-hmm. people. I mean, you know, there's no one-size-fits-all for leadership. You know, I mean, as the old saying goes, you know, if you only have a na- if you only have a hammer, everything's a nail. Well, that's true. And in all that, you got to be more than just a hammer. You got to have more than just a hammer. You got to have something that can apply to everybody and work with everyone. And it's not the easiest thing to do. Sure, there's always going to be that person that can't agree with it. That's all right. You can't please everyone. But just because you can't please everyone doesn't make you a bad leader. Make you, Some of the things that make you a bad leader could be, yes, you get the results that are needed, the results that are wanted, but what's your team's morale look like? On the flip side, your team's morale can be great and you don't get anything done. You need to find a good middle ground where you're getting stuff done and everybody or most of your team that you can make happy in the process is enjoying it because it's just a fact of life. You got to be happy at some point because if you're always on the grind, putting your nose down to the grindstone, and that's all you know, you're not going to be able to function properly. I couldn't agree more, man. You know, speaking from, you know, my, you know, my own experiences, especially in the fire service, I have worked, you know, I've worked with guys where, you know, I mean, as I said, at one point, you know, I lived, you know, I lived in a firehouse my first semester of college. And basically, you know, we grew it. I could never understand why, why it was called brotherhood in the fire service, because I don't want to say I was surrounded by so much negativity in the previous department that I worked for, but we just didn't have that close knit bond with each other like a like a team should or like or like a camaraderie. Camaraderie is a good thing that is morale building. For instance, like when you were when you're living, like Mm -hmm. you were saying, you guys form a really tight knit bond with each other. Mm -hmm. Versus when you're working at some volunteer departments that don't do live ins Mm -hmm. and y'all y'all just show up for the job, needs to be done. We don't interact home. with yeah. each other. We don't understand our each other's dynamics. We don't understand why, let's say, Firefighter A is breaking down and doing what he's got to when Firefighter B C are doing going the same route, but they're doing it in a different way. Mm-hmm. They, you, when volunteers and people that just show up to do the job don't interact properly you got four different methods of doing something you don't develop the team method the team dynamic that's needed and keep in mind i mean i I mean i've worked for other departments where um we i mean i currently i mean i actually currently work for another department where we have live-ins 
we don't have as many as we did like in the other county that I that I worked in, but and I mean we're still I mean we're still a volunteer department. We still come from home. We still get guys that come from home. I mean when I get on mm. there and staff, I mean I'll pretty much I'll be the first person on the truck and then I'll have to wait for like three other guys to get there. But we still have that. I mean I can honestly say every single time I go down there, I don't have a problem with any single one of those guys. I mean I, I always feel like I'm at home. I always feel like you know. I mean, I mean, we crack jokes, we have fun, you know, we're in, but when the time comes, you know, and we got to go do business, you know, we can count on each other. And that's what I think is the most important. That's good. That, that's a good dynamic to make sure that you guys have. And you, from what you're saying, it sounds like you guys got it. And it's not always just fun and games when you're being in that kind of situation. You gotta be able to break down, do the job, do it right, get it done efficiently, and have good results. So, from there, in what ways does a leader affect that? If your leader shows up, let's say, for an example, I when I was coaching, there was a bunch of miscommunication before one of our games. I showed up 15 minutes late for the game. With all of our prac, with all of our training balls, well, our bucket of balls for warm ups, our jugs of water, and everything, I got over to the sideline and I said, "Hey, got, hey boys, I'm sorry I'm late. Let's try to bust a good one out today." And I could see on my boys' faces their morale was just shot. They didn't want to put in the hundred and ten percent effort that they always did for every other game because most games I was there. 20 minutes early, before the game, lining up stuff, making sure water is cold, writing out our game plan. And my team in lacrosse, you need 10 people for to field the whole team. You need a minimum of 10 people on the field. My team on a good day had 11. So that means mm-hmm. we had one sub to rotate out through the entire game. So my guy, my kids were running. All the time, constantly, just that go, 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 go. And despite that, we came from a team that had everybody laughed at us mm-hmm. because we were such a small team from small town out in the backwoods in New York. Mm-hmm. We were coming out playing against teams that had two that had two te- had two squads because they had forty five kids that signed up to play, and we struggled to field eleven. But we turned around and we took that small team and we turned our season into a winning season because all the boys put in their best effort. I I like to think I tried to do a good job as a coach. I'd never say I was the best coach that they had. But I hope I did teach them good lessons that they could take forward in their lives because they saw even when the numbers are against you, you work hard, you push through it, you can still get that that prize that's at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and I mean I, I think I think a lot of the times you get you get leadership where they just don't you know, they wanna sit there and they wanna make they wanna say, Oh hey, well we gotta do it like this or that or you gotta I mean, here's a perfect example. Um I worked for a fire chief at one point in time where basically I can't remember we went to a it, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that major of a call. It was a tree. It was a tree on the roadway, on a rural dirt road. It was only me, 
and like my driver and there was like another guy that was like coming in his personal vehicle and stuff behind us and so my chief gets there um i caught um i was riding i was riding the seat which what a lot of people which if anybody doesn't know what that is it's the officer seat um with the fire truck so call on the radio tell county you know we're in route you know non-emergent and i get to about the end of um main street and getting ready to turn on this dirt road and finally my chief calls me over our over the main channel and he's like hey he's like um engine you know it's like chief to engine switch over switch over to our repeater channel which is which is our private channel for our department to talk on mm-hmm. only you know other departments can talk on it but um so basically i switch over and then he just absolutely it's so it's so uh, I'm trying not to laugh because it's so pathetic, but he just absolutely just gave me a rash of shit. Like he was like he was like oh he's like he's like he's like for he's like you're supposed to um supposed to operate on a repeater per protocol. Then he tell then he asks then he keeps calling me and asking us what our location is. My and my driver looked over at me. He's like it's a tree down like. Like it's not like it's on fire. Like like what's like what's the issue? So we get there. Um, I get the chainsaw off the truck, start to cut the chainsaw. Um, start start it up, start to cut start to cut up the tree. And then he stops. Keep in mind, I'm wearing my gear. This dude's not wearing his gear at all. He's wearing shorts, sneakers, and a cut off T-shirt, and shades of course. And this was your chief. Yep, this was my chief. So, right there. This was, so this, let me, let me, this was let my me. chief from my home department. Keep in mind, not not my other department. Not that's any of the other ones. But let me let me uh, step in real quick. So this guy is trying to tell you how to do the job by protocol, which I mean, that's what he's supposed to do because that's what he does. He looks after the department. And he tells correct, them, right? But then he started harping on you for it. Yeah. Which is that, in my opinion, that's a bad move unless mm-hmm. unless the person's slacking off, not doing their job. They're hanging out, they're putting their feet up, not really putting in the effort. That's when you got to start putting them down on the grind, putting them under the microscope. But if he's in route, coming to get the job done, he gets there, and you're not even in full ready gear for the job. Mm-hmm. Get out of here! And you're, keep- you're 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 embarrassing yourself because you're trying to be a thing of authority. This guy is probably an adult. I'd like to say, I'd like to think I say adult. I mean, I myself, I'm my mid twenties. Nate here is in his early twenties, so we're both adults. This guy's got to be older than I am, to from what I've heard. And you're showing up to a to a fire scene trying to be a professional over your repeater system, and you show up in shorts, sneakers, and a cutoff. Well, that that's the definition of disrespect right there. And I think the biggest issue is, is that anybody in the county, keep in mind, and anybody in Scannerland that has a uh, has a portable radio, if because I mean, keep in mind, anybody anybody can buy a portable portable radio. Anybody mm-hmm. can get a program. So, keep in mind, somebody switches over switches over to our repeater channel and hears that, what are they gonna think of us? You know, I mean. There is a time and place. They say you guys are a bunch of yahoos and don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna be thinking. Yeah, I mean, there's a time and place to criticize 
people and this and you know for constructive criticism and I mean over over a department radio is not that and we get to the scene so he takes he takes another chainsaw off the truck he starts cutting up the tree okay so, so we're, he's operating gear he's operating equipment without proper gear oh oh it gets better it it gets better how, how does and, it get better than that like, oh it, on, it gets better and you see I I at where I work we've got heavy heavy machinery and stuff and I'm a trainer so therefore under basic rules of a trainer I have to be I have to wear proper equipment which is gloves safety glasses and steel-toed boots working every job I've had I've only had one job where I don't wear steel toes going out doing logging and stuff or dealing with down trees you're gonna want a proper footwear he's in shorts so there's gonna be wood splinter wood going every which direction what would happen if he hurt himself on it? Would he try to cry for workman's cop? Yeah, not to, then, mention, not to mention if he cuts his leg off with the chainsaw. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that's just that's just not being smart if but, he did that. I do understand accidents do happen, but I've had I've had chains, old school chainsaws. The blades, the chains, constantly in idle, so slowly moving around. Remember, I had one rusted on my belt once because I was trimming up trees. And it was running. I looked down. It sliced straight through my my Carhartt shorts I was wearing. Well, not shorts, pants. My Carhartt pants. And it started catching my lawn johns that were underneath. I was like, well, that was almost bad. I can't, I can't even think for a minute what would happen if that happened and it hit his leg. It cut him wide open. Yeah, and keep in mind, um, the other dude, he grabbed, he grabbed the chainsaw off another truck. Where the uh, the chain on it was not designed to cut up trees. Because keep in mind, there's two different types of chain. Well, there's multiple different types of chains in the fire service, but primarily there's like chains for rescue, where you can you know you can cut through walls, cut through mm-hmm. sheetrock, you know, center Sheet blocks, rock, wood, you know, shingles. Yeah, the whole. Um, and then there's just you know wood cutting blades, you know, for normal you know timber, and again, I mean that was I mean that was my fault because you know I mean and I'll take ownership for that. You know, I told them to get, to grab a saw off one of the other trucks, but I didn't tell them the right. You know, I didn't say, "Hey, man, grab this saw because, you know, th- you know, it's the correct blade." You know, that was my fault. But I think the biggest issue was was that when we got back to the station, we did our debrief, what we usually do. And debrief's the, good. Yeah, but like the issue was, was my chief basically sat there and said, "Oh, well, well." I know I was wearing shorts and stuff like that, but do as I say, not as I do. That is a terrible thing to say. And I'm sitting there and I'm going to myself, (laughs) like, what? Like that? that, All right. Saying, do as I say, not as I do. That's like telling your kids smoking, smoking's bad while you're sucking back death sticks left and right, and you're supposed to look at them as you're getting sicker and sicker by the day because you. Nicotine is a terrible thing. Don't get me wrong there. And it is a very easy thing to get addicted to. But if you're sitting there doing that, how are you supposed to look a kid in the, look someone in the face that looks up to you because you are the leader or you're a, you're a parent or you're an influencer of some form and you say, that's bad, Don't this is bad, don't do it. Then keep smoking down this stick. But And then at that, like... 
That's like showing up to a construction site in sandals and and a pair of flops, man. You know, yeah. you don't do that. That's and not then you want to then you want to go run your you go then you want to go run the big old D nine bulldozer and flip flops and shorts, boy. Don't worry, Joe. I got her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh my god. Good lessons but. to take away from any bad leader. Like, yeah, you got the base going. I don't want to be like that guy because you know what? He was rude. He was disrespectful. He didn't get nothing done. He was a slob. Whatever. You you, you take the basic lesson of you don't want to be like that. Yeah, I mean. So you turn it around. You look at that person's shortcomings, if you would, and you say, "How can I improve on that to be better?" Mm-hmm. So. When I was a coach, I know I'm going on for a minute now. Uh, when I was a coach, I was the modified coach, and then there was the coach that was right above me and standing. The team right above my boys and age group did not win a single game one season for the whole two years this guy was there with them. And he, the parents were like, well, we don't understand. You've been a varsity coach for this long. You have a career doing. You have a career doing this. You played in college, and you had you played throughout high school. What is it that you're doing wrong? The guy said, "I don't know. Your kids just don't want to listen." I said, "No, look, that's horseshit right there. Give those boys a week with me. Guarantee I'll pull a win out of them." Sure enough, they spent one week tra- practicing with me. I went to their game. Because the way the games were always lined up, it was my team, then the team that, then the older team. So, when we did that, I coached my boys one game, and the older team sat on the sidelines, played the cheerleader role, rooting on the kids, saying, hey, keep going, you're doing great, push yourself a little harder, get that next ground ball. But then when I went in to the older team, older kids game, I looked at them, I said, guys, we're not going to play like, we're not going to play like you played for Coach, Coach Y, you're going to play the game I taught you in the last week. Play all the lessons that we've taken, all the different ways of going, taking the approach, and put it down. Apply them in this game. Don't think, oh, we're going to lose, we're going to have to run again. No, you think you're going to go out there, you're going to do your best, and you're going to leave it on the field. Let's go. Yeah. And, I mean, I think, I think a lot of the issue is sometimes, I mean, you get leadership that shows up that doesn't want to work, and then what do your guys do? Your guys show up and they don't want to work. You know, I can honestly say I've been I've been to calls where they were reported, you know, a fire alarm, where you know it's a report of a smoke detector activation mm-hmm. or heat detector, or whatever. I mean, keep in mind the word fire is in the call, so you should, you know, have all your gear on, have your SCBA on, you know. Have you know have tools and equipment with yeah, you? You show up ready. For yeah, you show up ready for the job, and I get off the rig ready to go. And keep in mind, you know this wasn't always my mentality of, you know, get off the rig ready to go. This was built over years of like trying to learn from other guys, you know, trying to learn from other departments and stuff like that. Years, Seeing, on, years on that grind, yeah. Yeah, because like because I got to the point where. I got so we actually we ran a call the one night where literally it could have been detrimental to our department. I mean, 
I mean, we could have got sick. We could have got injured. We could have got hurt. And I really sat there and I really thought about it. And I thought, you know, why are we doing it this way? You know, just because we've done it this way, you know, since this guy has taken over as chief doesn't mean it's correct. I mean, I mean, I've worked for other departments where we've pulled up on fire alarm stuff. We always wear air packs. We always wear, we always bring equipment and stuff like that. And I always try to be that way, you know, anymore. You know, I, you know, ever since I learned that lesson years ago. And but we, but I still get guys in the back. Like, say I'm riding the seat, or you know, I don't know, I don't always ride the seat. It depends on, depends on if if any of my other officers show up that night or whatever. And I get other guys in the back where they just, they just don't wear their equipment. Like, for example, we ran a unknown type fire. It was down behind the railroad tracks in a, um, I don't want to say it was a real rural part of our district. It was kind of out of town a little ways. So it was unknown type fire. So we really didn't know what it was. Um, I pull up, I get off, you know, I get off, I have my air pack on, I have my mask. I grab the two and a half gallon water can, which is the uh, two and a half gallon water fire extinguisher. And I grabbed, I want to say a hook or a haugen, um, which was um, which was my tool of choice that night, and I turn around, and all the guys are gone, all the air packs are still in the seats, and all the equipment and all the other hand tools are still in the truck. So I get about halfway down there, uh, and I have my radio on, and I hear, I hear him call and say basically, "Oh hey, it's just a bonfire, you know, you you know we're all good down here, you know you know you can put everybody back in service." So I walk back up, I start to put the um the water can back in the truck. I started to pull my air pack back in the truck. My, he was my lieutenant at the time. He's now is now he's my captain. He literally gets in the truck, looks at me, and says, "Man, you were ready to rock and roll." Said, yeah, I goes report of a fire. He goes, "Man," he goes, well, "I wouldn't wear an air pack." He goes, "Fuck that shit." Pardon my French, but I'm just quoting what yeah. he said, and I was just. I just stood there and I just looked at him and I, I was just I was just shell shocked. I was just like, man, like, like, I, I just I, I just didn't get it, you know. And I still don't get it to this day. But I think, you know, I mean, what I always say, I can still do the right thing even if nobody else mm-hmm. does it, you know. Yeah, because you see, at that like you showed up ready for the job. Let's say you got there and it was something ten times more than what it was. You would have been first guy on scene trying to wait for everybody else to pull. pull they were essentially, pardon my language here, they would have been called with their fucking pants down. You, you don't ever want that to happen. It's better to be overprepared for something than to be underprepared. Or you're prepared for it, you got all your equipment, but you're showing up wearing... Shorts and a cutoff. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't get it sometimes. But I mean, like I said, and this is the way that I always try to act. Just because these other guys do this kind of stuff doesn't mean I should be going off and doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, you are only surrounded by the stuff that you allow to come into your life. Just because, I mean, in my example, just because all you, all the guys that you work with are screwing off, and they and they don't want to take it seriously, mm-hmm. and they don't want to, you know, 
they don't want to wear something that's heavy, whatever. And God forbid, you know, they pull up and they might not be ready or whatever. Doesn't mean you doesn't mean you don't have to be ready. It doesn't mean that you have to be any different. Who cares if they criticize you, if they make fun of you, if they say you were overprepared? I don't know. Well, I would rather I would rather basically choke on overkill than sip on mediocrity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that is a great way to put it, Nate. That's all you. Because <clears throat> overkill every single time, it's what? It's a win by unnecessary proportion. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to look at it. It's better, as you're saying, choke on overkill than to just be, I wouldn't even call it being satisfied with mediocrity. Because when you look out at, all the, when I say the people that have changed the world, because a lot of people have changed the world and have come from either humble beginnings or have worked their way up a different way than what some of us view as hard work. There's different types of hard work, for sure. But the people that make the biggest, I would say the people that make the biggest splash in the right way are the ones that go the farthest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because, let's say, you're making you go you make a big noise for yourself but yeah you put yourself on the board but in the process you hurt you hurt let's say your department's reputation or you make yourself look like a showboater on a sports field or you look like that guy that just walked up and tried to do the job even though you know how to but you didn't do it right but you got it done quickly and you just you just look like you look asinine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It, it does just because you make a big noise doesn't mean that you did it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest one of the greatest skills that anybody can have in any kind of leadership position is being humble and owning up to everything they do, whether it's mistakes. I mean, you should. I mean, you should own up to your mistakes way more than you own up to your successes. You know, I always say, you know, I'll get people to say to me sometimes, oh, you've done this, you've worked for this department, that department, you know, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you, you've, you have this degree. And I'm just like, yeah, well, you haven't seen all the times that I, you know, missed the ball or, you know, I kind of messed up or, or I, or I failed at something, you know. One good way to look at it is... Yes, the good gets things done. It's going to get you where you got to be. But in history, and when people look back at it, in people's memories, they're going to mostly remember the bad. Your mistakes, the things that you fell short on. And if you can't own those, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you're going to, to some degree, it makes you look, it makes you look weak. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a strong leader and you don't have that great you don't have I would say that drive to not only own up to what you do but what your peer what your the your underlings do it makes it doesn't make for a good mix if you can't own up and do and say yeah that was my call there wasn't the right call but it's what I saw that we needed to do and I acted upon it you, you don't look good when you do that yeah and you know, I think sometimes, basically, if you don't, 
and I mean getting back I mean getting back to the ownership thing if you don't live up to what you say for example I mean in your case if you were to say to your guys when you were coaching lacrosse hey guys we're gonna have practice at 5 a.m. tomorrow you know I'll be here at 5 a.m. and then they show up and you're not there and you just don't show up the entire time then I mean you're not living up to what you said that you were gonna do I think a lot of times there's too much too much hype and then there's no there's there's too much there's too much bark and no bite that's a good one with certain with certain that is a good one so looking back at these last 41 minutes that we've had you on and our bending your ear talking we've talked about a whole slew of different kind of leadership bad leadership good leadership different types of lessons that we learned but what are you as a listener going to take away from this i know we've been a little all over the place because well we're just going back and forth with two guys talking about what it is that we've learned and taken with us so my challenge to you is when you get off this podcast my challenge to you is go through, let's say your last week, find the different things that you can possibly take away as a lesson, learn to properly reapply them, and then go farther. Your lesson's never going to be up front in your face, like we'll call him Chief H, just because. It's never going to be do as I say, not as I do. That kind of lesson everybody learns real early look for something small or something that's going to help you turn around and apply yourself that to be that much better yep just take any kind of any kind of experience whether it's good or bad and just learn from it i mean it doesn't matter if you're going through right now if you're dealing with a boss that's you know a pain in, the, a pain in your butt or it's a co-worker or you know it's a fire chief that's working for you you know, or that you're working with, doesn't matter. You know, you just got to, you know, take it and get better. This has been the Unstoppable Podcast, episode number two. Episode number two is brought to you by Nate and Austin. Don't forget our main man, Ace, is spotlight out there, helping us get started and giving us the best uh, direction that he can. Thank you all. Have a good night.